and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Hey, everyone. And John. Hey, everybody. Today in the tank, we're flossing. No, not like the dance move, like the teeth gunk. Although maybe that's what my dentist means when he says I don't floss enough. You know, I really can't dance. Anyway, we've got a product that aims to keep your mouth bacteria free and the oceans plastic free. Win-win, am I right? Now, let's pay some bills and play those ads. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John? Maybe Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, in the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together in one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive revenue and retention. And you know what that means, better service and happier customers at every stage of their journey. Visit HubSpot.com service so you can do more with your customers today. So today in the tank, we have Happy. And Happy is brought to us by Dr. Stacy Whitman, who is a pediatric dentist. Stacy is asking for $200,000 for 10% in her company, which is a $2 million valuation. Her product, Happy, is the world's first flosser designed for true compostability. So the problem essentially that she's trying to solve here is that when you use a bunch of single-use flossers, you're generating so much trash. I think the stat that she pulled out was that if you use one every day, you're creating over 30,000 pieces of trash in your lifetime. Yikes. And we see what this means literally because she has a tenth of that poured on her as she's like standing under this delightfully bright and rainbow umbrella. But it's a lot, right? It is a lot. And I think that Her origin story sort of plays into this where she's seen a lot of waste in the ocean and has noticed a lot of it is those single-use flossers. So her product, Happy, is really designed to solve for that. So it looks the same as, like, I think a traditional single-use plastic flosser. The difference is that it's made of post-consumer recycled paper, which is designed to break down in one year. So thinking about our pitch, our product, and our founder, what are our initial thoughts? I'm out. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) Is it for the same reason as me, which is you assume all those flossers that poured on her were dirty and like had already been used and you were so disgusted that you just couldn't watch the rest of the pitch? I had a thought like that. Because she said it came from her dentist office. And I was like, That's yeah. That's why I just, she said, like, oh, these came from my dentist office. Yeah. I was like, oh, And I was no, like, there's so no way that she's wasting unused ones, Ew. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well. No wonder the umbrella makes sense, am I For right? those reasons, we're out. Episode <laughs> over. Hygiene. No. All right, Ariel, why are you out? <laughs> Look, I'll get some credit where credit's due. Branding is actually pretty decent. I like the bright so colors, know. playful. It's great if you're going to be marketing towards Happy kids, which I. I think should be kind of like the target audience because kids do not like to floss. The reason why I'm mostly out on this is, one, anytime a product is trying to position something as from saving the environment from a consumer perspective, I'm always kind of, eh. 
my personal belief is that it shouldn't be down to consumer to change the world because corporations Those can make corporations. a much bigger impact. Mm-hmm. But I think that the price point of it- It's $12.99 for 30. It's very expensive. You're in a very competitive space. This cannot survive as a standalone. You have to sell this to Colgate or some of the other brands and then you know really compete within that higher premium and floss market. But this cannot be a standalone. Today on Another Bite, we learned that Ariel drives a very large gas-guzzling car. A Hummer. I drive the Kia Soul. Is it pastel? Because that will be on brand. Only plastic. No, I And disposable really utensils for every meal. Because she yes. is not responsible for the environmental. No, Straws. No, she wants know, three. You know what I mean? Why like, only one? Exactly. No, I know what you're saying, Ariel. And I actually agree with the premise that in the grand scheme, the industrial impact just totally dwarfs what an individual consumer can do. And I actually also believe that most of the consumer-oriented things around that are more to like raise awareness. So I agree with your point of view there. But I don't know, this seems like a great product. My initial thought was like, Mm. duh, like why are we using plastic for this? Plastic's horrible. Also plastic's like poisonous. Like we don't want plastic in kids' mouths. It's a horrible idea. So to me, I'm like... This seems like a really great idea. Her problem is that she hasn't produced any of them. Yeah, this yeah. is pre-sale. She doesn't bring any expertise to produce them. And she doesn't really bring anything other than the idea to the table, which I think creates a really hard situation from an investment perspective. Like, I think what would have made her a much more competitive pitch is if she came in with a partner hmm. who either had manufacturing experience or sales and marketing direct-to-consumer experience and could basically say, hey, I'm the idea person. This is the manufacturing or business person. And together, we're a great team and we have a great plan. Instead, she kind of came in and said, I have a great idea, but I don't really have a plan. I need help. And I kind of need a shark to like build the plan. Mm. And so that was what made it super hard because that's not what you can expect from your investors. They're not going to be your partner. They're going to be an investor. They're going to be motivated by the idea of doing as little work as possible to get as maximum of return as possible. Devil's advocate. Do you think she came in too early? And to your piece about the investors, would potentially an opportunity of like advisory shares provide her more of like that partnership as opposed to just giving up that equity straight up? Basically, if you bring someone on as an advisor, more or not, they're advisor to several companies. They're investors in many, many companies. They are working a full-time job in many cases. And it's like literally just do the math on it. And you're like, well, how much can you expect? Like you can't give away some advisory shares to a shark and expect them to like come to your office one day a week and build your manufacturing process. That's where it's like, she's not necessarily too early to come in, but I'm not sure she came in with the right expertise and plan to say, here's why you would put your money in this. Yeah, and we see this kind of play out in almost all of her answers. Even when she brought up that there was sort of a competitor that was gaining traction in this space, the sharks were like, okay, so like, what's your plan? How are you going to deal with the competitor? And she literally was like, you. And the sharks were like, what? No. (laughs) Top 10 answers you don't want to hear as an investor considering an investment. The sharks are your differentiator? Come on. Yikes. Big yikes. (laughs) This happens a lot, right? Like people have an idea. In tech, the thing that happens more often than not is somebody has an idea, they're a product person, they need a technical co-founder. They're a business person, they need a technical Mm -hmm. co-founder. They go out and they work through their network to try and find someone who wants to start the company with them. And I feel like she could have done the same thing and tried to find somebody with some experience in the space that wanted to go on this mission with her. Because to your point, Ariel, and and this is why I like the company so much at the beginning, great brand. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually going to like really resonate in the market. And I think actually it's like an underserved need. So it's really about ability to execute. Yeah. The fact that it's paper 
I don't know. I feel like when kids are brushing their teeth, there's water on the counter. I just wonder, without having that prototype even there to see it's so hard to have full confidence in like the product. Yeah. I do get that too. Cause I think of like, my first thought is like, mm, paper straws, who likes them? You like mm. them for the first 30 <laughs> seconds, which is all you need for flossing, you know? 30 seconds for flossing. That's it. How long does it take you to floss? Oh, I'm meticulous. It's orthodontia. <laughs> I mean, I'm meticulous too, but I mean, it doesn't take that long to stick a piece of string between your teeth. I string and water pick. I do both. Oh, well, that's different. At first, I thought this was actually just about adult flossing. Mm -hmm. And I got so upset because I'm like, where are you at with your fingers? Like, come on, everybody. Like, you don't have to use a floss pick. Like, so much more dexterity what? with flossing what? between your fingers, like oh, holding the floss okay. between your fingers like, versus like- and stuff, having the floss picks are like- Game changer. No. Yeah, you should always have a Just have some yeah. floss. You don't keep any with you? No, I use, use regular After, like, floss. Eat, or you just go get out in to like, dinner or <laughs> it just whips it out. So the you dinner like, table. do it at the dinner table. You go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. That's today I learned. Fun. <laughs> today I learned. <laughs> I once worked on an advertising project at an advertising agency for a large dental care company. Insider. And the problem that we aligned on was the problem of purple finger where you wrap your floss around your fingers oh, and it gets yes. too tight. Yes. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> the struggle is real. Again, I felt like there's a bit of a disconnect. Is this a product that is aiming to be easy to use for kids or is this something that is aiming for environmentally conscious adults to bring into their household and then maybe if they have kids to use because it's like yeah kids aren't the purchaser and there's nothing functionally different about the product mm -hmm. if anything as we've established it might work more poorly but i don't know credit to stacy i think she is on the front edge of a lot of direct-to-consumer entrepreneurship that is founded on the idea of a better way to build these products that reduces environmental mm -hmm. impact i think if you look at like studies of what Gen Z care about. You'll see the environment is like oh, yeah. so much higher. And it makes sense. It's like bathtub temperature water in Miami. The Southwest of the US is literally 130 degrees. You know, I feel like those of us in older generations are kind of like, well, it is what it is. And I think Gen Z is like, screw that, man. I got to live here for a long time. Right. Like we got to change this. So I don't know. I love that more and more I'm seeing entrepreneurs actually tackle solving these problems through more environmentally conscious ways. And I think it's going to really resonate in the future much more than it probably has in the past. Agreed. Well, the apocalyptic predictions of John did not resonate with our sharks Ugh. because, oh, alas, there were no offers made to the sharks. The sharks seem to be really leaning into like, sell this to one of the giants. Yeah. You'll make a lot of money. You'll solve for the need and be on your way. <laughs> friend. But I was kind of curious. That kind of left me feeling a little sad because is there no hope for the little guys? And I wanted your opinion on that. Like if there is an industry that has like a few big players, is it worth breaking into? Because it seems like in the case of at least like the flossing industry, what the sharks were saying is like, don't even try. Well, you can definitely compete, but I think we know to compete, you either have to compete on price or differentiation. And competing on price here is probably going to be extremely challenging because it's a more expensive product to manufacture. Mm -hmm. And so she has to compete on differentiation. And I think she's trying to do that. And she probably needs to go even harder at it yeah. mm -hmm. if she really wants to win on that differentiation and justify the higher price point. Well, I have an equally bittersweet update. So the update is that eh, there's kind of no update. <laughs> there haven't been many updates since this episode aired a couple months ago. 
And while we had seen in this episode that this founder had some pre-sales going on, she had made some $100,000 in pre-sales, their website paints a very ambiguous picture. So according to the website, Happy Floss has sold out of our initial production run and is currently unavailable for purchase. We are Mm. hard at work building the specialized machinery needed to produce millions of flossers for you and all our sustainably minded customers. So it seems like it's kind of at a stall at this moment, but not necessarily closed down. That's one unfortunate thing about going on to Shark Tank if you are not ready to manufacture a product like this. I think it must be like very demoralizing and disappointing as an entrepreneur. Like it's so hard to like sell product and generate demand. And you go on to Shark Tank and you get all this demand and you're like, this is so validating. And then you're like, but I I don't have any to sell and I'm not going to make any of this money. And then it kind of helps your competitor. That demand's got to go somewhere. Yeah. So demand waits for no one. Demand waits for no one, (laughs) including happy. (laughs) Today's episode was written and produced by the mythical Matthew Brown. Additional support comes from Melanie Romero and editing from Robert Hartwig. If you're a fan of the show, even if you're not a fan of the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to support the show. That does it for me. We'll see you next episode here in the tank for another bite. Create Like the Greats, hosted by Ross Simmons, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Each episode hosts an in-depth analysis of some of the greatest creations and creators of all time, along with deep dive conversations on the creative process that went into building companies and brands. If you like learning about history or learning about the creative process, you'll like this podcast. Listen to Create Like the Greats wherever you get your podcasts.